A reading from the second chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning with the first verse. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you Google Star of Bethlehem, you can find a lot of interesting theories about the star. Did you know that? Comets and alignments of planets and things like that. But if you look at the Old Testament, you can find some interesting things about stars as well. For instance, in Psalm 147, we're told that God determines the numbers of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. In Psalm 136, we're told that God made the great lights, the sun to govern the day is a sign that His love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night because His love endures forever. And in Genesis 1, we're told that God made the sun and the moon and the stars to give light. Did you hear that, church? To give light upon the earth. And then in Psalm 19, we're told that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies to proclaim the work of His hands. Heavens proclaim the glory of God. You know, I think maybe it doesn't matter what the star of Bethlehem was. All that matters is that it worked. All that matters is that it worked. There were some in the early church who believed that the star was an angel. Because the early Ancient people believed that the stars were angels. And for a long time in the church, that tradition carried forward. And it could be true. 
We know that angels appeared to the shepherds in Luke's Gospel and that the glory of God shone around them. And the psalmist tells us that the stars are intended to demonstrate to us the glory of God. So in a way, explaining the star is a fruitless exercise. But understanding the purpose of the star is not. The Magi, they're called three kings in the hymn, and I love that hymn, so we just keep on singing it, but they weren't kings. That was a tradition created in the later church by a certain preacher that wrote a sermon and everybody loved it, you know, like in the 100s, 200s or something like that. You can Google that too. They were magi. Magoi is the Greek term used for them. They were astrologers and they were probably from Babylon. They were people who watched the skies and they actually traveled to Rome when Nero was born because of something similar that happened. They believed that the skies held in them signs of great things happening, which shouldn't surprise us because didn't Jesus tell us that when He comes again, there will be portents and signs in the sky? So it shouldn't surprise us that at His first coming, there was a sign in the sky. For at Jesus' first coming to us, the glory of God was revealed to the world. The glory of a God of mercy and love who desires to give God's self to us. And so it would seem fitting that a star would be part of that. And these people saw the star. These astrologers, kings, whatever you want to make of them. Astronomers, sky watchers, sky sky gazers. They saw something happening in the sky and they knew that something was happening in Bethlehem. That something was happening in Israel. And they followed that star. And what's not important is what the star was. But what is important is that by following that light, they found God incarnate. They found the Son of God. They found the Word made flesh. They found life and light itself laying in a manger. They followed the star. When Herod hears about the star and the birth of one born king, he kind of flips out. And all of Jerusalem senses the tension in the kingdom and they're all upset. Because king is upset. And when the king is upset, everybody is upset. You ever heard that saying, when mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy? When the king ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. The king, King Herod, was propped up by the Romans. He wasn't even Jewish. But he got his throne through warfare and violence and being propped up by the hands of what the Bible calls wicked wicked men. And when he hears about one born king, I figure he's thinking about the king that's coming in the line of David, which he is not. I figure he's thinking about somebody who actually deserves to have the throne, which he does not. And he responds with fear. 
So in this story, we have two things happening so far. We have God using a star. The God who created the stars and hung the heavens surely can create a star in the moment and set it in motion and attract the eyes of people that He wants to bear witness to His Son. And we have their responses. They come and follow the star. And then we get a second, a third response. A second response, we get fear. So, so far in the story, we've witnessed a star, we've witnessed fear, and we've witnessed faith. That the Magi trust that this thing has happened because something serious has happened in the world. And they want to find out what it is. And when they come to the manger... They present their gifts and they kneel down in worship. They proskuneo before Jesus. In many of the modern translations of the Bible, they will want to change that, that they knelt down and paid Him homage because He's a king. But Jesus uses that same word when He speaks to the devil and says, don't proskuneo before anybody but God. And it has within itself, latent in the Word is the idea of worship. And they come and they respond in faith. Three things happening in the story. And all of it revolving around God drawing people to Jesus. Because Herod's response could have been different. He could have heard about one being born king. And when he inquired of the prophets of where the Messiah was to be born, he could have responded to that in faith and trusted the plan of God in the world. But instead, he responded in fear. And so instead of using the king of Israel, the king of that time, instead of using that king, the important person, to reveal Christ, God uses magi who don't even belong to God's people yet. People who are outsiders. People who come from a long way off. People who come from the West. People who aren't part of that culture and don't understand exactly what it is that's happening. They followed the star, but they needed an explanation to get to Bethlehem. God used the star to draw the Magi to Jesus, but the same drawing was available to Herod. He could have responded differently. Remember when I said at the start of the service that I'd like for you to consider the possibility that God has drawn you here today? There is some light in your life, some star, some angel, whatever you want to call it, present in your life that brings you here and brought you here today. And the question is, how will you respond to it? Will you respond in fear and hold yourself back at a distance? Or will you give your all to honor Christ, to honor God? Will you stand back and be affronted by what it means? Will you stand back and say, oh, it doesn't deserve my whole self? Will you act like Herod and preserve your dignity first? Or will you respond in faith and throw your feet, yourself at the feet of a baby? Over and over and over again throughout our Christian lives, this choice is before us. 
fear or faith. It will always before, be before us. Every time we make an important decision, it is before us. Every time somebody in the world or even in the church offends us or makes us angry, that choice is before us. We can respond in fear and withhold our gifts. Or we can respond in faith and offer ourselves to God anyway. This story is not just about Herod and the Magi. It's about each one of us. Every last one of us has some light in our life that has drawn us to Christ. How will we respond? It goes deeper than that. In John's Gospel, in chapter 12, if you want to follow along, verse 32, Jesus said, When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to Myself. So the drawing that brought the Magi to Bethlehem doesn't end there. It happens continually. And everything Jesus will say and do, when Jesus is nailed to the cross and lifted up, when Jesus dies, people are drawn to Him. When Jesus is raised, people are drawn to Him. And now that Christ has raised you up, God's intention is to use you to draw people to Christ. That's a heavy thing, isn't it? But what else could Jesus have meant when He said, you are the light of the world? If the stars were hung in the skies to give light to the earth, what else could it mean when Jesus say you are the light of the world, but that your life is supposed to reveal Jesus to other people in the same way the light of the star revealed Jesus to the Babylonian Magi? What else could it mean? Later on in this same gospel, Jesus will say, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it in a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, in the same way as the star at Bethlehem, in the same way as Christ, in the same way, let your light shine before others. that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What if you, every last one of you, what if I, and what if we together, in the things that we do together and for each other and for our community, what if we are intended to be yet another star Drawing people to Christ. A star of wonder. A star of light. A star of beauty bright. How should that shape what we do? How we give. What we think. How we use our talents. How we use our very life. What if God intends to use us in the same way He used that star of Bethlehem to demonstrate His love and mercy to the world? To show forth the glory of God. I believe that's what the heart is at the heart of this story. 
And I think there are only two responses. We can respond like Herod and be afraid and refuse and sit back and ignore. Or we can respond in faith and kneel at the feet of Jesus and worship. Two choices. Today we come to Christ's table. Drawn by Him to Himself. To receive the broken bread which is the broken body of Christ in our own hands. To take the bread and dip it into the cup of salvation, Jesus called it. And to receive in ourselves the very life and light of Christ. So that we can be the light of the world. Dear ones, when you come today, respond in faith and not fear. For much is at stake. If there is some pettiness you hold against some other person in this congregation, leave it here at the altar. If there is something you need to ask forgiveness for from one of your brothers and sisters, ask. The work of Christ is too big for us to hold grudges because together we are intended to be the light of Christ. Together we are the star that draws people to Jesus. Respond in faith, not fear. Amen.